0: You're listening to Brand to Brand, the marketing show. With your hosts, Thomas Sterling. This is the future. This is where everything goes. And Veronica St. Cyr.
1: Why the hell would anybody buy this?
0: An unfiltered conversation on brand strategy. And it worked like crazy. Marketing trends.
1: I think they're in again.
0: And emerging technology. There's going to be big impacts here. You're
1: excited. I'm pumped.
0: (laughs) All right, let's kick things off. What's up, everybody? Coming out of the Super Bowl is a great time to talk about the power of marketing campaigns, and I think the Super Bowl is that time of year where people on Main Street actually really start thinking about all the great work that marketers are doing the whole rest of the year. But really, it ends up coming down to those campaigns that worked out really well and the ads people loved and then the ads that people hated. I mean, it's really a polarization. What do you think, V?
1: Did you know, Thomas, we are exposed to between 4,000 and 10,000 ads per day. I don't know who comes up with the stats. So we like to think that we're all not susceptible. We're not sheep. None of these ads are working on us. Yet, I think we all can recall... Commercials, slogans, jingles that have Mm. embedded themselves into our brains. Got milk. So easy a caveman could do it. Share a Coke. You're not you and you're hungry. That was easy. There are absolutely so many. Um, And it's about damn time we did an episode talking about the power of campaigns.
0: And for those that are listening, really just to provide some context here, marketing campaigns typically have a finite set of time, right? They come and they go. And that doesn't mean that they don't necessarily run sometimes multiple years, but they're often short sprints with a finite kind of destination in mind, where evergreen marketing strategies that we promote for products and services can run kind of year round. And with that, let's get into it. It's a little bit of shake and then fake m&m's or samuel adams
1: i'm taking samuel adams
0: yeah that's fine all right i guess i'll take <laughs> that fine? the weird candy that nobody likes
1: <laughs> hey some people like it i'm just like kidding M&M's. i'm just,
0: i'm foreshadowing the episode i, okay. I we should we should oh, don't do it. that don't give i away. know you're right you're right all right. m&m's <laughs> a candy that was made for the battlefield It was for soldiers so that it wouldn't melt in their hands. They could take chocolate with them.
1: Wow, Alexa, play 50 (laughs) Cent's candy shop.
0: This is a candy that also NASA sent astronauts up with. Back in the 80s. So this is a candy that's been on the battlefield
1: and it's been in space. Candy in space. That's pretty revolutionary.
0: It sure is.
1: What's more revolutionary than the American Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Segways. Jim Cook started the Samuel Adams Lager after the famous American Revolutionary in 1984. This is super interesting because 30 years ago, there were only three major beer companies In the US, do you want to guess what they are?
0: I was going to say it's kind of interesting because he got a late start. I mean, if it's based (laughs) on the revolutionary period, he waited until
1: 1984. (laughs) Good point.
0: (laughs) Yes. Fair, though. All right. Uh, (laughs) Major brewing companies, Budweiser, Budweiser, and Budweiser. I get one right. Good
1: guesses, Thomas. You get (laughs) one point. <laughs> Out of a hundred, you fail. Miller, Budweiser, and Coors. And what's kind of cool about this is this beer was revolutionary in a way because it kickstarted the craft brewing market. Uh, Jim Cook leveraged uh, marketing savvy and his own brewing lineage. He came from a long line of brewers. Uh, maltsters i think people might call them and he wanted to devise a genuine craft beer alternative to those three major companies that really had a grip on the beer market in the u.s so uh, authenticity has been a part of this sam adams uh, craft beer story for a really long time which is interesting because if you think about them now they're they have an ad at the super bowl they seem to be everywhere doesn't really feel like your local craft beer anymore mm-hmm. which is something that watching how they're marketing campaigns have evolved is is something they've had to try to figure out. How do we retain that Boston lineage? They're the official beer of the Red Sox. They have a deal that is set to expire in 2025. It was an eight-year contract. We'll see. They gained media attention nationally. They've won various national beer awards. They've won local Massachusetts brewing awards. There's actually a line in the uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda musical Hamilton that says, uh, drinking two pints of Sam Adams, which is interesting because obviously the time that Alexander Hamilton was doing his thing, Samuel Adams was not known as a beer.
0: Revisionist history.
1: (laughs) Revisionist (laughs) history. That's a good name for an IPA.
0: (laughs) Yes. At the end of the day, we've all seen what is powerful for brands in terms of leveraging celebrity. That's, I think, one thing that M&M's done pretty well. I mean, back in 2018, Danny DeVito... Was one of the voices that did that Super Bowl commercial you don't remember? He was the red M&M. No. (laughs) He comes to life after wishing to become a human. Bruce Willis did one in the 90s. (laughs) What color? He was not a color. He was a human protecting an M&M, you know? This was coming out of Die Hard, you know? America loved Bruce Willis at this moment.
1: I feel like he looks like he could also be a good M&M. That's true. You're right. (laughs) But they've come into
0: hot water recently. Hot water recently because of how they're playing off gender stereotypes. And I think in the world that we live in today, there's a real focus around that and around what major brands are doing to continue to put forward these stereotypes. Eminem in the past has had. A lot of issues with maybe overplaying up and sexualizing these, mm-hmm. which I don't know how you can do that, but they do it <laughs> and they try to sexualize this it. The
1: green M&M really was the. That's true. Corporate. <laughs> That's true.
0: Their marketing team said, well, let's start to make some subtle changes here. You know, maybe what we do is maybe we change the, the heels and change them to sneakers. Yeah. And that pissed everybody off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that pissed Tucker Carlson off a lot. <laughs> Tucker Carlson, I just can't get over that he really wished that he found Candy sexier. He thinks that that is something that we should be paying attention to. The
0: man has a show where, on his platform, he gets upset daily about stuff. Yes. Well, so he him, is looking for content. This
1: made him particularly upset. It was great, great content for Tucker. Um, there, he basically said, m ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. That's the goal. When you're totally turned off, we've achieved equity. <laughs> I don't know why this is what he's choosing to get angry about, but it sparked such outrage among Tucker's following, but Eminem's definitely leaned into that.
0: Oh, they played it up. I mean, they then came out with a pointed communication, America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved Spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would notice. Sorry, Tucker. And we definitely didn't think it would break the internet, but now we get it. Every candy shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing M&M's wanted since we we're all about bringing people together. Uh,
1: How are you, M&M's? I don't
0: know. I'm not really sure. You're
1: about giving cavities I, and early diabetes, but just, thank
0: you. It's just weird to see candies <laughs> take social issues and be so involved. But then they launched their whole Super Bowl commercial where they had Maya Rudolph take over and basically take over the brand. They got rid of the spokes candies and she did this commercial. But I think for the American audience, the average person that was watching, myself
1: included, hadn't seen a lot of that content. So I'm like, what? is Eminem doing that right w- now? It was like a fever dream because in their mind they had this incredible campaign mm. where on social media they were announcing it was it was My Rudolph doing press conferences about, hey, I've taken over Eminem's. Uh, I'm going to call them Manya's. And there were changes she was going to make. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she announces they're now going to have clams inside. And when you get to the <laughs> Super Bowl, they just assume you've been along for that ride. Like, who follows I, candy on, I don't know. I like media? when a
0: brand uses the <laughs> Super Bowl to kick off a campaign, not land a campaign. Because yeah. when you try to land a campaign, it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't have all the context.
1: Well, I'm so glad that you bring this up, Thomas, because I felt the exact same way when I responded to a Sam Adams campaign campaign that they kicked Mm. off on social media before the commercial brought to light what the hell they were talking about so I'm sitting waiting for the Super Bowl to start I go on Instagram I'm scrolling and I see a post that looks like a billboard outside Fenway Park and it said Boston loves New York and I've had a couple not Sam Adams and I'm like this is not it like you're don't piss Bostonians off so I responded this is my bad and said <laughs> fire your marketing team which was aggressive I know <laughs> and they wrote back and said it sounds like you need a beer I was like oh hell no and no, you wrote did back
0: I've had several
1: <laughs> thank you very much No, but I was like, wow, this is a really weird campaign. And it didn't make sense because I had seen nothing about this campaign leading up. I had no idea what they're talking about. And in my mind, I'm like, why are they trying to change this is something that's, it's it's not a hatred for New York. It's something that Bostonians can rally around. And New Yorkers feel the same way. Don't take that that away from us. That's like part of our identity. It's all respect though. And then they launched their Super Bowl commercial. And it's Your Cousin from Boston, which is a campaign that they've actually been running for years that has been the cornerstone of previous Super Bowl ads, adding this new campaign on top of that campaign. Yes, campaign inception. It's
0: a campaign house of cards.
1: Yes. And it is your cousin from Boston imagining a brighter Boston where people are nice to each other. Thus, making my Instagram beef with Samuel Adams actually make sense. A post <laughs> I will say has since been deleted. Hopefully, I didn't actually get any other marketing team fired, but I think uh, I can do all the talking, but we probably should just play Let's some play. Of it. The ad. Sam Adams' Boston Lager. Now brighter? Oh, imagine that—a brighter Boston. morning, neighbor. Matt? Take the pack and spy. You take the pack and spy in six. No, I insist. Hey, what I do you want do? Welcome to Boston. We love New York. It's here. So after not changing Samuel Adams flagship Boston lager for 40 years, they announced with a huge PR lift, a new and improved Boston lager with a change to the brewing process actually created a brighter lager that was easier to drink. They then launched T-shirts around this campaign that said said things like New York does not suck. L.A. is OK. Hey, ref, you're doing a great job thus kind of like bringing this whole thing full circle. But again, launching the campaign on social media and then hoping your commercial will make everything else make sense seems like a risky bet. Mm. And it's one that seems like did not pay off for M&Ms.
0: I do like when brands take some risks though. I do have some fun with that. And I do think (laughs) that their marketing team should not all get fired. But at the end of the day, it is kind of a weird ad and it is kind of a (laughs) weird push. When you have something that's working so great with your cousin from Boston,
1: I mean it's a it's a great campaign. It's it's a great way. Really, the goal was just to launch the new Brighter Boston Logger, and for that, it seems like totally made sense. The execution. Well, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how those uh, sales go through. Are, is that you cracking one? Yeah, right I wish now? it was
0: my cousin from Boston. <laughs> So for those that are listening that didn't get a chance to hear the Eminem commercial, I don't know if it broke the internet, but <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was weird. It, Let woke, me play it the
1: clip. woke the internet up.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's not better the second time, or the <laughs> third time, or the fourth time. If anybody's wondering, but like it's like you came into the end of a movie. Yeah, it's like you came in. I don't. I don't know. I think like you either want to target this campaign where maybe it falls somewhere in the middle, or you launch it, but. That said, the strategy here is generating some PR, generating some I mean, we're talking buzz. about it
1: right now. We're right. giving them free advertising by doing this Having episode. people lose their mind and say, <laughs> what,
0: clams inside
1: M&Ms? Yeah. But the spokescandies came back. They did a fake press conference and they announced, mm-hmm. don't worry, the reign of Maya Rudolph is over the clams are gone
0: now with hundred percent less clams, less
1: clams. Well, that's the next campaign
0: <laughs> i can't believe we were actually put on pause huh. am i anxious about being back does it seem like i am
1: i'm glad to be back because this is what i was made for i mean as a walking talking candy my options are pretty limited i do like the shoes <laughs> it's very subtle i like the sneakers green m&m keep it up you can run away from tucker carlson easier in sneakers that's true that's true so if we
0: had to talk about any other brands
1: i feel like we can't do an episode on marketing campaigns without talking about the diamond industry and what the de beers corporation did to really build that up it is definitely heralded as one of the most successful marketing campaigns of all time and rightfully so and i brought some clips to help tell this story
0: Let's do it. In 1938, De Beers commissioned ad agency NWA & Son with making diamonds a necessary luxury in American lives. De Beers's grip on the supply meant that whoever sold a diamond was likely selling one of theirs. The agency decided they had to convey the idea that diamonds were a gift of love. Men had to be convinced the larger and more beautiful the diamond, the greater the show of love. In 1947, Ayer copywriter Francis Geraghty came up with the slogan, A diamond is forever, and the association with eternal love was solidified.
1: At the time of this campaign getting started, before World War II, only 10% of engagement rings actually had diamonds. So think about the psychological, societal, and emotional shift that people have had to convince everyone that you need to buy a diamond engagement ring when you propose to your loved ones. I mean, diamonds are a girl's best friend Marketing,
0: it's powerful stuff, (laughs) man. (laughs) It works. It It, gets the people going. It totally does. It really does. It totally does. And even just those little clips, just getting the history lesson and thinking back to 1948 to today... It has completely been solidified in American society, it's become an expectation and you can market a product into something that goes from something someone thought they wanted to something that they needed Mm. to something that they expect. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways that is the power of the campaign. Oh yeah. A marketing piece that just tries to get you to buy versus something that gets you to want, to need, or to feel a deeper purpose with. I, I mean another one that's a great one since we're talking about beer today. What about Miller Light? Mm. And really the launch of light beer? Mm. Beer at one point people were like, light beer? What <laughs> men don't drink I, light I, beer, men, Locality, yeah, men that's only, for the ladies. Give me the Everclear. Let's turn this <laughs> party up. <laughs> So this was a campaign that was kickstarted in the 1970s by Miller Lite, and it was designed to really shift perspectives among men, and specifically around blue-collar men. And the campaign was so successful that other brands have actually leveraged that same concept. Natty Ice delivered a campaign like that, Bud Light did something similar, and Miller's continued to really push the envelope here, really with most recently their Taste Greatness campaign, which I'm going to play for you. Think you a light beer?
1: Sure. Do you care how it tastes?
0: No, I don't really care.
1: Okay. Well, when you start caring, just take off your skirt and I'll give you a Miller Lite. They have another one where it's just get, put your purse down and I'll get you a Miller Lite. Like, be a man. Be a
0: man. Drink light beer. And now for something completely different. So if we had to put this to work... I would say thinking about how to maximize your reach and maximize your marketing spend, shifting from a traditional marketing approach to really a campaign-driven approach can really drive better outcomes. And when we think about brands that have done this extraordinarily well, beyond the brands we talked about today, we think about Nike and their Just Do It campaign, Apples, their Think Differently, and Coca-Cola's Share a Coke. These are not just simply campaigns that drove a singular outcome of making a purchase. At the end of the day, these are really shifting mindsets and driving customer loyalty. So for each of us in our own marketing, we can take a second, start with a goal, and maybe that's brand awareness, maybe that's customer growth. Then think about the target audience and come up with a creative concept and a creative concept that addresses our audience needs. And you need to be out of the box here. You need to be crazy. You need to do something that is scroll stopping content. Then you choose your tactics and channels, and then you launch it and measure performance. And with today's digital tools, it's never been easier. You don't have to go out and buy a big Super Bowl spot. You can test and learn, and you can do so in a really successful way. And at the end of the day, these campaigns can start out as short sprints and they can evolve to be multi-year things. If it's broke, don't fix it.
1: Oh no! Our table is broken! Well, the table
0: broke. So if you had to take anything away from the episode today, V, what would it be?
1: It's that if you clap at a brand on the internet and they clap back, you may be the victim of a marketing campaign. Call Sterling Brandworks at (laughs) 781-369-5154. You may be entitled to compensation.
0: Help, I've fallen and I can't get (laughs) up. (laughs) And mine would be, you know, in this marketing campaign driven world, sometimes you only have to strike it rich once, one great campaign and then Then that thing can just play on like De Beers. I mean, that's crazy. That's powerful stuff. And with that, we're out, folks. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, smash the subscribe button or listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: (laughs) We're out of here.